This episode of The Blur Mob contains explicit language. While we want everyone to enjoy the show, sometimes we may say things that are not appropriate for all ages. So, in other words, mom, dad, granny, we cussing. Discretion is advised. King G. Grossite ENT. <laughs> Rock with it. Rock with it. Rock with it. Rock with it. Let me, let me pop my shit. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me pop my shit. Hands up. What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Blurred Mob, your hub for all things black and nerdy. I'm your host, Foot, with my two co hosts, Brian and Ralph. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming service, make sure you hit that follow button so you can get updates from the mob. And if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on those bell notifications for future episodes. All right, all right. I know I mentioned this a couple days ago, but I just want to reiterate that I've been watching the Kanye West documentary, Genius, on Netflix. And... I am enjoying it. I am enjoying this documentary. I know in episode 11, I kind of gave Kanye some shit saying that I wasn't going to listen to the Donda album. <laughs> but this documentary here, this is it's not good as hell for a couple reasons. Um, mm. One, the biggest thing for me is that the nostalgia. So the first two episodes of the Genia documentary talk about his route from going from producer to a rapper. When I got introduced to Kanye, I got okay. introduced to Kanye as a rapper. And then I found out he was a producer before that. And episode two <laughs> highly emphasizes the creation of his first album, College, College Dropout. Especially the single that got him out there through the wire, which is based on a car crash that he got into where he fucked up his jaw so he wrapped the song with the the stuff in his jaw the wires and which is why it's called through the wire but the nostalgia, i never knew that bro I, it, I didn't either so the nostalgia that hit for me is that my dad got me into kanye my favorite kanye west album is late registration and one of the memories that my dad likes to bring up a lot is that me and my cousins we went on a vacation and for that whole trip, we listened to late registration from top to bottom. So just seeing that Kanye that I enjoy and seeing all the hurdles and obstacles that he had to overcome to get to that position is very inspiring. Like if you take nothing else away from that documentary, it's just the hunger and the drive that he had to get where he is. And the only reason... The only reason I'm putting that out there is because it just made me look at this podcast and it's like, dog, I want this shit to make it. I want that hunger and that drive he had to make this shit at the top. So I I just wanted to say that I've been watching it. Like, think of what think what you want of Kanye in this moment. But the Kanye that you see in this documentary, this is this is the old Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what people think that man has built an empire as uh -huh. a brother who worked his butt off call him crazy talk about his exploits and all that that man has shoe deals clothing deals he's still a great producer whole lot of investment listen uh -huh. if he ain't anything he's at least smart intellectual 
and he knows how to make his money. I got to give him that. It's, I respect that at the very least. Yeah. I, and I yeah, think it's... It, he's unstoppable. I was just having this conversation with my cousin. Like at this point, he is unstoppable. But I think the other right. thing is, is that he documented that whole process. Like it's not just it's you could really see. I guess for people who got introduced to Kanye, like in this era, you really get to see that type of person he was back in the early two thousands. Even they even go start like in the nineties a couple years in the 90s, closer to the 2000s, you get to see that type of person that Kanye was. And mm-hmm. it's it was it was very nostalgic for me. It's a really good documentary. I'm going to have to watch okay. it then. I haven't, yeah, I you're haven't. the first person I heard actually really talking about it, so I might check it out. So yeah, I haven't given it a chance. I, and I've been too I, busy watching other stuff. Okay, because I was going to say if you haven't given the documentary a chance just because of, like, the the current Kanye. And, and I feel like if that's what's stopping you from watching the documentary, I I hope that I have convinced you to watch it. It's like, this is nothing. This is not. This is his, it's his story, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you like Kanye's whole music, it's hella nostalgia. Like, they have a scene where um slow jams when he got jamie fox in the studio to do the chorus the hook the slow jams and i was like this this is history in the making right here it's it's not we finna start documenting ourselves food (laughs) man we should that's the other reason why i brought that up it's like the fact that he documented the whole process i know we make like videos like now it's like you can watch us on YouTube and you can see our growth or you can listen to us on Spotify and you can see where our style changes and like when you guys got mm-hmm. into the mix of like being co-hosts and you can see where our vibe changes. But I really feel like the behind the scenes stuff, like the shit that builds up to us sitting in front of the camera, sitting in front of the mic, like the pre-promos, like all the discussions and the stuff that we have to push this stuff out to the audience. That's the that's it. This is it. Like imagine somebody watching a documentary of us ten years from now when we all in our apartments working these nine to fives and doing a podcast on the side <laughs> and it's ten and it's ten years later and we're not even doing that shit anymore, you know? I'm yeah. looking at Ralph ten years later, like Ralph, you remember when we used to work a nine to five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember when Ralph used to have baby dreads and now his dreads right. his shoulder blades and he rich now <laughs> you remember, it'd be like, you remember when we all used to record in like three different states and now we in the same area and you know we getting paid off this shit it's that if it really like it really like re-inspired me to like to keep going cause you, you see mm-hmm. cause in Kanye's story you see a lot of his downfalls you see a lot of people because he he was a producer first, and you see a lot of people not taking him seriously as a rapper because he was a producer, because he was making these beats. It, they were looking at him like, okay, this guy can rap, but right. my beat, though. And he had, the, he had some of the best produced songs yeah. back in his time in the first mm-hmm. place. Even to this day, you could <laughs> arguably say, Kanye still makes some of the best produced music out there. It's very polished. That's all I'm saying. It just... The reason I brought this up is just it's 
it really motivated me to keep this going. Like if I ever had a day where I was like, man, I'm not feeling this podcast shit or <laughs> um, this really ain't doing nothing for me. This really just pushed me like the it's the fruits of your labor. Yeah. And I guess with the documenting part, when you get to look back, go back and watch where you started from and see where you are now. It's like, it's crazy. Facts. So hmm. that that is that is my that is my thing for That's today. Catching up with the blurs. That's my catching <laughs> up with the blurs. But I did want to ask you, Ryan. Um, the Cyberpunk update came out a couple weeks ago. I got Cyberpunk. I haven't updated mm-hmm. it and played the the next gen patch, but I know you have. So, how, what is that looking like at the moment? So- so I guess a little bit of backstory for like the audience who may not know, Cyberpunk was obviously the most highly anticipated game to drop in this year, probably for the for a couple of years. Everybody was looking forward to it. The marketing was on 10. The developers are the same folks who made The Witcher 3, which was a game of the year, one of the best RPGs in recent history. And Cyberpunk dropped filled with bugs. For one thing, it did not work on last gen. Like I'm talking Xbox One and PS4. It mm-hmm. was not playable. You were literally falling through the map. Even if you played it on the current gen Series X and PS5, it was playable, but the graphics looked nothing like the ad. The quests were buggy. The weapons were imbalanced. It was a lot of issues. A lot of issues. The day one patch, I can't even remember, but it was gigabyte worth of um, memory just to do a day one patch and it was still boo-boo garbage. But I played through Cyberpunk. I pushed through. Story, decent. Gameplay decent but after playing this um the um recent update i think it was like 50 gigabytes big 40 or 50 60 it was between those three numbers it mm-hmm. was huge however the game is very polished now i didn't run into any bugs and it was such a smooth um experience that i even went on and did all the side quests and completed all of them because i was like okay now it doesn't feel like a chore so if anybody has not played cyberpunk 2077 I would say right now is the ideal time to play it. It's very polished. If okay. you got a next-gen console, the update also includes like the ray trace and the 4K, the, um, what's it called, adaptable refresh rates and everything. It's, it's real smooth now. The guns are balanced. The amount of money they give you, it's a, it is a full game. This is what the game okay. should have been when it dropped. Because I, I enjoyed it. got it when it first dropped, and maybe some of the bugs, I wasn't paying that, paying too much attention, but I wasn't really enjoying the game on my first mm-hmm. couple hour, hour or so of gameplay. My cousin got a full refund just because of the bugs and shit. So wow, they were giving they were giving you people know refunds. And Sony don't like that. They were giving people yeah. refunds for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven because of everything that went down with the initial release. So I guess. I'll upgrade whenever I get around the time to play the game. I'm going to upgrade and play it. But I guess my question to you, Ryan, mm-hmm. which would be your answer to the audience, for people who got a refund, would you tell them to rebuy the game? Yeah. It's cheap right No, it's real cheap right now. I think you can get it for less than $30 on most ums apps. <coughs> if you want a solid mm. RPG to play, like a solid RPG, if you're not in the JRPGs and you want more story than what, say, Sony's action adventure games drop, Cyberpunk 
2077 right now is probably one of the best RPGs I can recommend right now. Okay, okay. Before, like, Dragon Age 4 and a few others come out, or Starfield and any of those other games. Well, you know, Dragon Age 4 got pushed back to 2023. So, hopefully, I'm hoping that... I have not played Dragon Age, but we're gonna... Because of the stuff that went down with Cyberpunk, and let's talk about the stuff that's going down with Battlefield 2040, I'm hoping that this game being pushed back because also Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League got pushed back to 2023. I'm hoping that mm-hmm. these pushbacks or just them finally saying that what we are deeming the minimal viable product, because when a game comes out, what I've learned is that game development companies are expecting to be bugs. They are expecting bugs. But I think yeah. the backlash that these past two games have been getting Maybe their definition of MVP is not enough anymore. And because this is not enough anymore, let's go ahead and push these games, this game back another year so we can make sure that this minimum viable product is going to meet the expectation of our players. Or the minimum viable product is just the game. It's just the polished game. Maybe, maybe. What's up? You named a trend. I don't know if you caught it, but when you said Battlefield and Dragon Age, that's all EA. Even um, what's it called? Mass Effect, Battlefront. Mm-hmm. EA was the publisher for a lot of those games. And if you look through recent gaming history, all of those games dropped with hella bugs, or they dropped with useless microtransactions and not a full gaming experience. So this is the and thing. I do agree with you. I was gonna say. So this was the thing with Battlefield twenty forty two because it came out. That EA, the statement was EA blames Halo Infinite and COVID for the reason that Battlefield 2042 fell below expectations. I looked, I I looked a bit more into it, and it 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 just turned into one of those things where somebody said something, and something else came out of it, and they ran with it. EA did not, um. They had like a town hall discussion. EA did not flat out say it's Halo Infinite's fault that this game failed. It was what Battlefield came out first. Their right. MVP, they it, they were expecting the MVP to have bugs. When they said that weekend that Battlefield dropped, they were getting some feedback from the players, which they were expecting some genuine feedback so when they put the next patch out they can fix it what happened was that halo infinite dropped by surprise like that's and people started comparing halo infinite which was way more polished than battlefield 2042 to battlefield Mm -hmm. and that's where the negative feedback came from but but here's the thing, Portia, that is their fault. <laughs> that is their yeah. fault. Halo <laughs> Infinite. If you remember when um they was dropping trailers, but, people was but, making memes out of that out of that little grunt monster and they gave it a whole name because the face had no fidelity, the resolution was low, <laughs> it looked slow. But people like people were talking about Halo and you know what they went to? They said we're gonna postpone this game by a whole year. We are not gonna yeah. drop a bad experience because Cyberpunk and other games came out but not too long before that trailer for Halo dropped out. Microsoft mm-hmm. played it smart. They said, let's go fix our game and drop a complete experience, which Halo Infinite was. 
Bow but EA said, let's take a risk. That's their fault. I don't think it was. So yeah. the other thing I read is that it wasn't them taking a risk. It's something that they usually do. What I found out is that they do that for all of their games. This is not their first time doing it. But because right. Halo came out around the same time and it was a much more polished product, theirs fell by the wayside. And I'll give you that that it's their fault, but I, I think the controversy that I'm trying to lay flat out is that they did not directly blame Halo Infinite. It was just an unfortunate right. it was just a unfortunate coincidence that Halo Infinite came out and it was a much more polished product than Battlefield 2042. So social media basically say, took it out of context. Yeah. Basically. I would say which is what they do any day is clickbait. Oh. <laughs> My bad Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> you good. I would say as a Battlefield player and a person that has played multiple Battlefields, Battlefield um, 1, Battlefield Harden, Battlefield 4, mm-hmm. those games weren't as bad as Battlefield 2042 was, I would say. Mm-hmm. When that came out, you know, I played the beta, so I had the early experience of falling through the map looking like I'm running in place, but I'm still moving. So I experienced all the bugs. I had all the bugs. And I was like, okay, you know, it's it's doable because it's a beta. They're trying to test and see how everything was. But then, as a community, we heard that this was was not really the beta. This was an alpha version of what they gave people for the beta. Because apparently they made another version when the beta came out, and they Mm -hmm. didn't want to give us that. So they gave us a pre-made one. So I was like, okay. Why? You didn't, you didn't hear about that, Ryan? I didn't hear about it's that. It's like... Yes. I remember hearing something about an alpha, but my my confusion is why go that route when the whole purpose of a beta is for players to catch issues and bugs that the developers may not have the time nor quantity of users to experience themselves. Correct. Like, I was very much confused as well. So. My confusion was there. When I got the game and actually played the game, I did notice that the bugs that were happening during the beta was not there. However, it was still a few things that would happen as far mm-hmm. as, you know, still unable to actually fully run. Like, you'll get the same animation, like you're holding your gun, but it's like you're moving in a mirror instead of actually running. Mm-hmm. So, it was... overall, the game came out decent. It wasn't horrible. I still did enjoy it. I don't play it as much right now. Why? It's it's kind of like it's too many other games that's better, that's you know more polished than what Battlefield right. twenty forty two came out with. Mm-hmm. So it's like I've set it aside, except you know whenever friends and stuff get on and they're like, hey, you wanna you wanna go play Battlefield twenty forty two? I'll go and play it. Except as far as willingly playing it by myself, I probably won't. I and, on and that's the thing. When it worked, it was a good experience because you and me were on there, and I had a, I had a good time when it worked. It's yeah. just if you and me and all my friends at Grand Otaku played for like four hours, one hour was split spent trying to log out, log back in, and restart the game so we can actually load into a map. Yeah, and that was, like that was horrible. The biggest pet peeve that Battlefield twenty forty two dropped the ball on was not having. Void at all. No voice chatting whatsoever was on the game. 
Oh, okay. Voice chat just between like teammates. Like even you, in like you your like, own um squad, you have no voice chat. Like you know how if you're not in a party chat on most multiplayer games, food, mm-hmm. yeah. how it will still allow you to chat with your fire team or your entire team at if if that many people are on. Okay. Mm-hmm. They didn't so have like that, me. and they didn't have leaderboards, and that's where some people start saying, "Oh, we're living in a soft generation because y'all ain't gonna say who got the most kills and most right. kills and most heels anymore." <laughs> like, like we got that sensitive. Like, come on, now it's a game, it's competition. So my question like, we for was you out guys, here using Discord. I was just about to ask that. Was I had two questions, but my first question was to be like, "Is that why?" Y'all would hop in Discord. Ryan was tonight. Yes. Y'all finna hit yes. up Battlefield, and then it's just all yes. on Discord. And I'm just looking like I know these games have voice chat, but I guess not. <laughs> That's no, right, did, y'all. No. Would... Be- no, no, because no, 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 no. the games would be cross-platform one, but then they don't have an in-game chat, which is trash. And PlayStation is just now making a deal with Discord to get that stuff underway. But I'm like Microsoft, where y'all let so we can have. Discord a Discord chat app on all of our um consoles now that cross platform play is a common mm-hmm. thing now. Mm-hmm. My it second was, was question rough. was do you guys who who is if there was anybody to blame, who are you blaming? Are you blaming the executives at these game development companies? Or are you blaming the game developers for the reason that some of these initial releases are falling short of expectations? I would have to say the exec. And I'll be all, they have the power to say, this is when we're dropping this game. Even coming from a fellow developer standpoint, you know, when you have certain people that want things at a timely manner, that's your deadline. Unless they Mm -hmm. move it for you, you can't move your own deadline. You can set like, hey, you know, I have little small things I have to fix here and there, but depending on how, how part of a deadline is, they're going to want it. And they're just going to say, you just continue to put patches out. Or, you know, you just continue to make little minor fixes. So we're just going to take whatever you have, because that's what we think that the consumers want, which is not really what the community wants. Like, that's that's with Call of Duty pushing out every title every year. I fell out of love with that. It's it's just, I feel like games should have that time period to where you actually get a chance to enjoy it instead of having to buy a new title every year. And it worked for Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed used to yes. be a year-over-year release, and the second they start taking breaks, they're back, back on the map. Like Division. Division is another one. They mm-hmm. made Division 1, I think, like eight years ago, and we had Division 1 for like five years straight, and then they came out with Division 2. Division 2 was a hit. Yeah. I would still go on and play that game because they continue to push out little updates and things like that for refreshers for you to go and do. But I guess... So I would go back and play that game. To- and, and I would, to answer your question, I would blame execs because, it, but it's like, it's a hierarchy. Well, it's not necessarily a hierarchy. It's like a circle. The execs try to please their investors. The mm-hmm. developers try to please the execs. And the develop and then the developers are supposed to be pleasing. The game community is trying to be pleased by the developers. But the thing is, gaming is getting a lot more difficult. It is getting a lot more difficult. It requires a lot more resource and a lot more coding. It's even harder to even get in the gaming industry now. Mm-hmm. But if you keep telling people, hey, with all this new tech and everything, we still think y'all should drop a new game every three to four years. 
if you work in software and you see how many resources these games take and these teams are already small and using a lot of contract workers, you need to be given a lot of these games six years plus. And yeah. if you look at some of the best games, even in like near past history, some of our favorite RPGs or just large scale games did take four to five years, two game generations ago. Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to get people to push out high AAA games in three to four years. That formula just ain't working anymore. It's just yeah. not working. I was going to say. Execs trying to make their money, but it's just y'all going to lose y'all money at the end of the day because now Sony and Microsoft getting sick of y'all. And they issuing refunds when um the court of public opinion hates their game. Yeah, I was I agree with you guys. I think it's the execs. I think it's I think it has to do with the climate of today's society. When mm-hmm. the pandemic first hit, people were buying game systems out the wooza. Switches were at high demand. As when the PS5s and the, the new Xbox uh dropped, those were selling. Like, people were crashing the sites. So it's like, with us still being in that, in that climate, still being in the pandemic, where you had people playing games before, but now people are playing games because some that's... <clears throat> Some of us wasn't working. It's what we were doing, playing a game. Or we have these work-from-home jobs that now we have that flexibility that I can play the game when I get off work. I don't have to do all this other stuff because I'm at home. So I kind of see it as that some of these games are falling short because they're trying to push that demand. They're trying to keep their consumers with something to play. And I have to agree with Ryan that it's not working. It's sometimes hitting that demand especially I'm touching on a few points that Ron said, how much money it costs, how many resources these uh, software development teams being small and with COVID on top of that, where I would not be surprised if some of these people were developing these games for remote environments, that these people were not in the same room developing this game and taking all all those factors into account. And y'all want to push out games every three to four years or y'all trying to make sure y'all that this game y'all trying to cut stuff short because you want to make sure that your people have something to play every year it's not it's not going to work it's not going to work for that very reason that these games are getting harder to develop now this is not early 2000s where you could release a nintendo game or a 2k every year or Madden every year. It's it's not that simple anymore. It's not that simple where you, where mm-hmm. you could release a game almost every month. Y'all remember when we used to watch cable and there would be a game. You would see three game commercials. I'm not even kidding. You would see three gaming commercials before the show came back on. It's not that easy no more. It is not that easy. Yeah. And the thing and another thing, Portia, I mean food, we're getting less. Like we're like you the games you're naming. In terms of like innovation to the um gaming mechanics or story and all of that, now you see a lot of shooters don't even drop off a story mode, and mm-hmm. the excuse is well everybody's just going to play the multiplayer anyway, but we're still paying sixty dollars yes. back in the day. Yeah, and now games that went up to seventy back in the day, sixty dollars could get you a full multiplayer experience, a full campaign, and some kind of custom lobby experience. And that, now I we're think missing that's... one out of the three. I think that's the other thing, too, with the climate just being 
playing online because let's talk about let's talk about the people who stream. Let's talk about streamers. And most of the mm-hmm. time their streams are coming from online play. So if you're trying to meet the demand that why take the time to flesh out this full story mode when people gonna play the online mode anyway. And but that's the part where it's like they're trying to because there is still a large community. Like just look at the success of PlayStation single player games. But now every game is trying to lead toward lean towards live service games. They're trying to integrate microtransactions. And now you got microtransactions in single player games. I don't know if y'all played the recent Assassin's Creed games. Why the I why know. in the hell am I playing a story mode game? And there's a vendor who if I spend ten dollars, I can get a legendary sword. Why can't I just do the quest to get the legendary <laughs> sword? Like now they're trying to mooch players out of their money, yet we're getting half-assed games. It's you. it's not a good deal. Like there's not a balance being struck here. And the few games that do strike a balance, they get rewarded. They get well rewarded. I give you that. I just it's with all this stuff surrounding like the future of gaming, like there's it's it's a lot of factors to take into. And I and going back to the the games that are being pushed back, I think that some of these companies are seeing other people get this backlash and they like, oh hell no, nah. push it back. Push it, push it back. Push it back. Push it back. Hell hell no. Push it back. Push it back. But speaking of like demand and um like all of like I guess the games that are getting rewarded and then everything coming more expensive. Let's talk about, let's get back to our streaming service war. And the biggest thing that I want to discuss for this is these live action remakes of things that have been previously animated. And we've talked about this a little bit before back in episode three was that why is it that why why is that a piece of the cycle? It's becoming a piece of the cycle that animated, you get some written content, and, and then it has to become live action for it to be fully appreciated as a work of art. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing all of these. And the only reason I brought this up is because there have been hella announcements of previously animated content becoming live action to, mm-hmm. to meet a trend to meet that that three-point criteria. And right. I've seen it's gone from Sonic, it's gone to fucking Blue's Clues, excuse the F-bomb, but Blue's Clues, <laughs> Blue's Fairly Clues, that junk drop. Then they talking about they doing a live-action Beyblade. And it's, I just... That's that's where they lost. How is that going to work? <laughs> Did y'all watch Beyblade? I I watched Beyblade. I had a Beyblade. I had Metal the one that had plastic. the little remote that yes. you can control and it'll pull and snatch. Yes, I had that one with the plastic little arenas that you sit on your porch, yes. bro. I don't even see how that is going to become live action, so, dog. <laughs> but I guess I I guess the question is. The big question is why. And one of the things that I came up, one of the things I just came up with is that is making a live action series 
easier than revamping an animated project as animation. And my my argument, my example with this argument is let's talk about Arcane again. Arcane season one took six years to create. Mm. I don't think if they I don't think it would have taken them six years to produce had they decided to make Arcane live action. And if we're trying, and once again, let's talk about the climate. We're in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. People are sitting at home and they're doing more streaming of movies and TV shows is because the only thing mostly that we can do if you're not comfortable going out to the movie theaters is to watch stuff at home. So if they're trying to push, and let's talk about Paramount Plus specifically, who hasn't really been putting out a lot of content for people to even pay for the service. If you want this audience to come to your streaming service, I could see it as these live actions with a small budget don't take that much time to make that you can shoot it. Whether it's good or bad, it's easy to make and we're going to go ahead and ship this out. Yeah. I I feel like what you're saying definitely plays a part, but I feel like the real answer to the question is something you said in the very beginning of um your your statement was that why does it have to become a work of art to receive a live action? I feel like that mindset, believing that live action is the end-all, be-all, beautiful work of art in cinema, I feel like that mindset is is what's ruining people. Because people do not really, like, people in, like, Hollywood and all that don't think that an animated series or an animated movie, whether 3D or 2D, is considered beautiful or considered, like, a an evolution in cinema. And I feel like that's very flawed. Because if you look at a lot of our animated movies, animated series, they are beautiful. They are mm-hmm. amazing. We can still t- we get, still have conversations about our favorite Pixar and DreamWorks and Disney movies till this day. But I guess I, I, to don't know, I don't know any live action movies that I've watched as much as Shrek or any other animated movies. But I guess let me counter. Let me counter that argument. Let's talk about the ages we were when we watched these Pixar movies. And I think I think that's part I think that's part of the reason. Is that be these animated movies and these 3D animated movies hit so much for us because we saw it as kids. It's the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But but with with the remakes, I guess my question is is with the remakes is what audience are they trying to send this to? Because I'm gonna say it like this, I'm gonna say it like this. Say they, say they wanted to revamp Shrek to come off your example. Mm-hmm. Say they wanted to revamp Shrek. If their audience was us, they could definitely make that a 3D project, and that's gonna sell. But who is the audience to where that if they decided to make Shrek live action, who are they trying to sell that to? Well, I feel like they're trying to target new kids. They're trying to target the younger generation to get them into it. Yes, and that's not that's not bad. But at the same time, we've seen great animated, especially series. Mm -hmm. We already talked about Vox Machina, Rick and Morty, even Arcane, and all these more mature series that are meant for people with who are probably Mm -hmm. a little bit more aged or or um how to say not old but more senior people. They were great. More seasoned. seasoned. There we go. But uh, but let me say this. You target the correct audience. But let me say this, though, to counter your argument again, is that 
um, for me, and this may not be true, but for me, the first the first experience of me seeing live action remakes started with Disney. Disney's been doing live action remakes mm-hmm. for a while. The examples that you name yeah. of mature cartoons, Vox Machina, Arcane, those weren't existing. The adult cartoons that we had during that time period were the comedy ones, Family Guy, Rick and Morty, South Park, The Simpsons, American so, Dad. American Dad. Still, so I feel like American so Dad. So I would I would my argument would be that if people were making live action remakes because of the mature cartoons that existed at that time weren't proving that you could take this mature content to another level to equate it to live action, if that's the argument, then I could see that. But if we're going to talk about today, I'm a roll with Ryan, that we are seeing that these mature cartoons can take a different stance in media than comedy and still be mm-hmm. equated to a live action series as far as seriousness goes. But they're just starting to prove that. They're really, at this point in time, they're really starting to prove that to where now it's, where where now it's, you could come out with another animated classic, but I kind of, my steady argument is that I think the live action is just easier and it's faster to push out. It's like, I guess, it's like I don't I don't disagree with you, but one thing I would want to know, I wish we could talk to like a Hollywood exec or someone in the industry, because I want to know what is the purpose of some of these live actions. Like mm-hmm. we named a few, but like in terms of like live ad- adaptation projects that were just trash, we can go on and on about Avatar, the last Airbender's live action, Dragon Ball Evolution, which adapted um Dragon Ball Z. But even like in recent history, if we look at the Death Note live action, we look at the Assassin's Creed live action. Like, is your is it are these Hollywood execs' intentions to bring more attention to the franchises, or are they trying to expand the franchises into a new audience? Like, I want to know what the end goal is, or even like the most recent Mortal Kombat live action. The older Mortal Kombat live actions are well received. Now, of course, they may not have aged well, but this new one went completely off the rails with the Mortal Kombat storyline. It was. But let me point out if you watch the animated. Let me let me point out the trend of all the projects you name. They're movies. Bet. They're movies. Yeah. Right? And so mm-hmm. maybe it's not maybe the question is is when I want to take this series, this network series and bring it to the masses, I want to make a film out of this. Why does it have to be live action to be deemed cinema? That this has to be that this has to be a movie. If I'm gonna put this in theaters, if I'm gonna want people to buy tickets, if I'm going to put movie trailers, if I'm gonna have people come out and spend forty dollars on tickets, popcorn, a slushy, a hot dog, nacho is is live action the route? Is that what I have to do to get that? And it, it, it could it could just in be. My it, opinion, it hasn't been doing that well. It hasn't. But my counter, and it has not been doing that well, my counter to maybe why the reason why they 
they make it live action for the movie theaters is that let's talk about the DC universe and let's talk about the slew of mm-hmm. animated movies that DC has that if they put those junts in theaters that they they could be in theaters they could be like mm-hmm. DC on yeah. if we just kick out all of the live action blunders and just went straight their animated content they are a monster DC put one of their animated movies in theaters and other than Lego Batman we're going to scoot Lego Batman out but they put one yeah, we'll talk about that one. <laughs> I like Lego Batman but I just don't think it falls into this category which I'm this route that I'm this journey I'm about to send y'all on DC mm-hmm. put one of their animated movies in theaters The Killing Joke in 2016 Mhm and they have not in they added DC usually does a good job by following the comic book lore for their animated movies and sometimes they may switch some th- some things around. They switched up this story, put it in theaters, and I did not like it. It did get some negative reviews because of the route that they took with this movie and putting it in theaters and since then they have not put another animated DC movie in theaters since then. Mm. So so you want to know what's funny? Mm-hmm. DC may not have done well with that, but you want to know who I, what, it's it's honestly a genre that I feel like could change the trend. What? If you look at some of these highly acclaimed anime movies, let's not even just immediately say Demon Slayer, Mook, and Train. Let's not even just say that. Let's not say the Sword Art Online movie that was well-received, even though a lot of people hate the series. Let's, mm-hmm. let's not even talk about what was the other one. There was another one, the My Hero movies that's been coming out. Yeah. I feel like if anybody is going to make it to where animation can be seen on a big screen and still be considered a work of art, I think it is the anime community and the publishers that are pushing those out. Because honestly, in terms of like animated movies that have been well-received, get their, um, they get their investment and then the fans come out and support, I feel like anime movies have been leading the charge. Now, of course, we got like the more childish lot we get the more um the children geared leaning towards um um 2D movies and stuff and still coming out but in terms of more mature or rather built for all audiences anime's kind of leading the charge on that yeah um, yeah i would agree i think it's from my, still, from my perspective i don't see the metric i think it's the climate i think it's the climate i think it's i it all goes back to the now. it's everybody's Pandemic, anime popularity shot up to the max. It did. People people stopped going to the movie theaters and we're seeing that some of these streaming services are not even putting their movies in theaters anymore. They're putting it straight on the streaming service. So if the movie theaters want to get their money, yeah, let's throw this this anime movie as a part because (laughs) anime movies used to be special events. At movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. They used to be for these couple days. These couple days. We are showing this anime movie. Now. It's just a part of the line. It's just. It's just part of the lineup. Now when an anime movie drops. It's a part of the lineup. You can pre. You can pre-order tickets. The JJK Zero movie. Tickets just dropped. On the 25th. And you can pre-order the tickets. Mm -hmm. 
Like it's a mm-hmm. regular movie. Like we pre-ordering tickets for Batman. You know what I'm saying? So I I think yeah. I think it's the I think it's the climate. I think going forward because of how animation is going and the things that you can do with animation and people are starting to see that. I think some develop not developers, some companies may start backing down from live action. That they can say that, yeah, we can animate this. Cause we we seen we've seen the feedback that you can get from making this animated. We can put this animated movie in theaters and know we're gonna make some money back just because of how these anime movies are selling. And I I just think that at a point in time live action became the trend. And now mm-hmm. people are announcing all these projects as live action instead of taking the risk of making it animate animated and seeing the fruits of the labor. Right. And what's funny, Portia, it going I like as you kind of touched on it earlier and we didn't really get to explore it. I feel like where live action is thriving now is when you make it a series in the first place. The Witcher live action adaptations, very good. Um, with Lord of the Rings coming out with their um series, even though some folks are complaining, the fact that they're starting to do a series instead of doing more movies, I feel like that might do well. Even Game of Thrones is the most highly acclaimed live action series to date. Mm-hmm. To date, it got the most. Even though, even though we we hate the last two seasons, it still did very well in terms of how much money it incurred and the number of fans and the amount of um and the way it affected pop culture. I feel mm. like in terms of new trends that Hollywood really needs to explore, let's keep exploring live action series and let's also continue to explore animated movies that are meant for adults or not necessarily adults, but all age ranges, not just children. Let's not limit it. I feel like those are the two trends that Hollywood really needs to explore more. Because I think it what's seems also, like it's starting to... I think what's also has changed in Hollywood is that what makes a movie and what makes a series. Like, yeah. Let's just talk the Marvel stuff because Marvel has series now. Let's what? Yeah. What separates Avengers Endgame from WandaVision being a series? That's an obvious answer. Avengers Endgame can't be a series, but WandaVision could. And if they made WandaVision a movie, would it have met? Would it have met the expectation of the other MCU movies going around? Probably not. Maybe, maybe not. But you can still connect the storylines regardless of which route you do. You can still I mean, yes, you can connect the storyline, but I'm just saying what the what the expectation because you talked about Lord of the Rings. And when Lord of the Rings first came mm-hmm. out, maybe during the time period that Lord of the Rings came out, that for people to get an appreciation of the Lord of the Rings from being books, let's make this a movie. And those movies came out to be long as hell. But now they're making a series. Yeah. But let's let's talk about how what movies are now, and maybe they look back at the Lord of the Rings movie and it was like we could have easily made this series, and that's and now they're taking that route that with Rings of Power is coming out as series. Mm-hmm. So it could just be like it and could just be the change in Hollywood. Anyway, the movies are getting longer, but let's talk about let's talk about the um. The um factor. That's the only way I can say it, the um factor of these these movies, because it's the same thing of when we watch Eternals. 
we were like this this could have been a this could have been a series and maybe easily. if, if yeah, they made easily. it a series it may have had more impact on us as watchers than it did a movie like now we can make that separation that back in the gap when we was going to watch these two-hour harry potter movies these two-hour lord of the rings movie i don't i couldn't see myself walking out the theater and be like this could have been a series now because of the series that are being executed we've had conversations where we was like i could see them making a harry potter series because this that and the third but when the movies was dropping out we weren't having that conversation but it's just it's just the change in hollywood it's just the change in hollywood and now we are as an audience we are seeing that line between what can be a movie and what should have been a series. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. again because so Lord of the Rings Rings of Power dropped the trailer Super Bowl Sunday and it got it got some hate. It got some complaints. The complaint was is that fans of the Lord of the Rings series were complaining that the series was woke and reading up on the reason of why they were calling it woke <laughs> is because of the diversity of the clad of the cast with them including people of color black people and it's just like yeah. so it's woke because it's black people and then they were just and it went on to that the original lord of the rings lore did not include black people and i was like okay so what does that have to do with i mean i get it i guess i i i there is a separation between lore and casting because mm-hmm. true lore is like i see lore as that this universe functions like this these are these set of people these are this set of people these are their functions it's i don't feel like I don't feel like it should be bound in color and I I don't I would not deem I, I Lord of the Rings Rings of Power being whoa it's it's it is a difficult for me to explain it but I just don't think that they were trying to be woke by putting black people in Lord of the Rings. I don't think that they were like, oh, let's let's power to the people. Let's throw these black people into the Lord of the Rings series. I just don't think that's what it was. That's probably what people are actually getting at too though. Because, you know, in in United States, we are currently in like this phase of having more black people or more people that other than just white in commercials and TV shows more often and like any average thing that we see now is we're starting to see more black people. Even we're starting to see more, you know, LGBTQ plus, you know, people mm-hmm. actually in commercials now as well. But is that Instead, being woke? at first it was more so white. I would say <laughs> But that but I would I say would... if they would have did it let me can I? You got it. You got <laughs> I it. Say I'm if they would have did be it quiet. at the beginning, <laughs> if they would have did it at the beginning of everybody complaining and saying, you know, 
we would like to see more diversity in our commercials and our TV shows and the things that we watch. Instead of, you know, to bring up an old topic was Ryan named all of those movies that failed, all the live action movies that failed. And the one trend that I noticed during those movies, they didn't pick the right actors. They didn't pick the right people to play those roles from what we watched in the animation. So, yeah, and, but I would... and this is what I was going to touch on. You, he, Ralph said something, both of y'all said something, and it's, it's a balance. Because where do you strike the balance between inclusion, quality actors and actresses, and meeting the lore slash historical notes of a series? Because mm-hmm. if you read a lot of books, you read a, you look at a lot of um original like storylines for different series, not just Lord of the Rings. Yeah, different races will be described as having certain hair textures, certain skin colors, and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we want to make this a live-action adaptation. Cool. Well, how do we balance out? Obviously, we want to have quality actors and actresses, but mm-hmm. we kind of do want to stick to the lore. But let's just be honest. Inclusion and representation matters a whole lot as well. And that's what I was and about to say. there has to be a middle ground. You can't lean to one side more than the other. Or you're That's going what I was to disappoint some audience. I don't yeah. think it's. Mm-hmm. I think I what I think the question is: Is this woke, or is this just inclusion? And I just see it that this is this is inclusion. This is not them being woke. They had black people in Game of Thrones. They didn't have a lot, but they had black people in Game <laughs> of Thrones. <laughs> they, it, they had it's it's they had black people in The Witcher, and it's. And can we just get to the bottom? Let's step out of. Let's take our blurred nerd head off, and let's. Can we just talk about that? This shit is fake. It's fake. Yeah, it is fake. It's, 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 it's not real. Fantasy. Some of this stuff. Some of this stuff is based off live action events, like Game of Thrones is based on some wars that happen, um, in history. But this stuff is fake. So why does it matter if this group, if this one person is a different person of color? Like why why does that matter? It's it's fake. But I would just say this, why when we why is it being called woke and why are we not seeing it as just it being inclusive? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and my whole thing is we for it to be a trailer, like I wasn't just a dice hard Lord of the Rings fan. I watched it with my mom. I was like, this is so fun. These movies are long, but I love the fantasy and the wars and the elves look all cool and stuff. But in my opinion, at the exact same time, y'all just watched the trailer, saw like two black people, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, it's, it's woke. woke. I saw some people saying this is like some colorful Narnia trash. Lord of the Rings is gritty. And if you watch the old movies, the old movies came out in the early 2000s where graphics and cinema didn't have the technology to be bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. They were using animatronics and shit. Like what do y'all yeah. like? We have yet but to it, see it, it's much about the story. We've yet to see an episode. It still del- delves into fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like for you, like for someone to say something is bad and woke and give it all these um labels before even really fully experiencing it, that's that's a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. That's a little mm-hmm. weird to me. And it's, it I, just I, goes. It just goes back. Up, My bad, Ron. I'm gonna let you finish. No, I, I I was just going to say like one little tidbit. I was like, I almost want to see what did people think about Game of Thrones when it first came out? 
because I didn't jump on the Game of Thrones train until season five was releasing episodically because I was a little bit younger. I, I yeah. want to see how people reacted to the trailer for season one of that and see if they reacted the same way. I would. I don't know. I haven't watched the season one trailer of Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. And I was just going to say that this argument, this is this is not this is an existing argument that mm-hmm. if we want to just go fantasy fantasy series, it was the big debate of other on whether Hermione from Harry Potter was white or black. And it's just like, why does it matter? She's a witch. They're not real. It's not real. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. It's not real. Like, why does it? Why does it matter? I understand that in the movies, the actress was white. So if you were coming off the movie, but that doesn't mean that she has to be white in every single Harry Potter production. Like even in in the Mm -hmm. book, in the in the book, I don't think they said her skin color for real. Like, if she was white or black. But it's just like, why does it matter? Because the big thing came up because her actress in the play, The Cursed Child, was a black woman. Now it's just like, why does it matter? It's fake. And then let's talk about, I have to step into my comic book stuff, is when they were doing the live action Teen Titans and they casted a black woman to play Starfire. And there was uproar about that. And I was like, y'all, Starfire is an alien. She's originally orange. Like what? Right. Like why are you oh, mad that this? Alien. Like why are you mad that this alien is is? And when they do live action, it's a black woman. Like she could, like she's orange. Or the, or the Little Mermaid. Or the Little Mermaid with yes. Patty Bailey. The Little yes. Mermaid is that, a creature yes, yes, underwater. Yes, 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 yes. If, yes. if anything, like this is a on, this is a like ongoing and weird looking. <laughs> this is a ongoing <laughs> argument, and I just don't, I just don't understand, and I do not see. When they make these casting choices, I don't see these companies trying to be woke. I I just see it. I just see it that they're trying to be more diverse. They're trying to be more inclusive because, as Ralph said, representation matters. In this climate, in this day and age, representation matters. So you cannot be mad. You cannot be upset. You can't maybe it maybe in the Lord of the Rings movie it could have slid back then, but now it's I don't see it as trying to be woke. We can tell, you can tell when yeah. somebody does something and they're trying to be woke. But this just I just watched it as a regular serious commercial. Like that's what's up. Like, oh, it's it's a black guy in the Lord of the Rings series. That's what's up. And that's and that's what I'm talking about with the balance. It's like if someone is leaning too far to trying to be uh, to be inclusive. And then they sacrifice good acting and a good story. That's when I got an issue. <laughs> Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, live action movie. When you're trying to lean <laughs> too far into that area, that's when mm-hmm. it gets bad. But if somehow you were very inclusive and had some representation, and the actors and actresses are very good quality, and you stick to the story, if it's a pre-existing um property, that's when you got a great movie or series right mm-hmm. there. All right. you got to do is tap tap into each of those three pillars and you got a quality work of art. Because it's like, why does it, with, because it's fantasy and because it's fake, why does it matter? Now, I would understand if they were doing like a Black History movie, like they decided to do a remake of Selma and they cast yeah. Martin Luther King as a white man. That's different. That's different. That cross that crosses a that crosses a line. That crosses a line. It's different. Porsche but this stuff is fake. 
but this <laughs> stuff, but this, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like, but this, I'm just trying to make the divide that this stuff is fake, that they live in a world of gremlins and trolls and centaurs, and y'all mad that it's black people in it, like what? Monsters and ghouls and ghosts and stuff like that, but it's woke because it's black people in it. Uh, I can't be black. (laughs) Black people can't have pointed ears. (laughs) I just, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I. It don't make sense. Does not make sense to me. But I have some news for you, Ralph. So last episode, one of your. Your surprises for 2022 was the Doctor Strange trailer when they showed the third Doctor Strange. The Multiverse of Madness, another Multiverse of Madness trailer dropped on Super Bowl Sunday. That Doctor Strange has been confirmed to be Defender Strange. That's what they call him from another universe. Okay. So it's um, okay. Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange that we know, Strange Supreme, mm-hmm. and Defender Strange. Those are the three Doctor Stranges that are mentioned on the poster but right besides that that move that trailer left me in shambles y'all i don't this is about to be disgusting the end they introduced the illuminati marvel's illuminati with charles xavier patrick stewart's charles xavier from the 2000 x-men they coming He's acting. He's on the internet, acting like we don't know what we're talking about, but we know it's you, Patrick. I I know it's you, Patrick. We know it's you. But just hearing his voice in the trailer, that was like the first, maybe the first minute of the trailer. The trailer's like two minutes long. That was like the first minute of the trailer. And I was like, I paused and I was like, Is that who? Is that, is that who, who I, I think, think it, it is? is? What's that mean? <laughs> now I know this is not who I think it is. <laughs> but I was like. Charles, two Wandas. There are two Wandas in this trailer. Mm-hmm. The rumor going around that the Wanda that we saw in WandaVision may be a variant. Hmm. That's that's the rumor that I heard. It's interesting. I want, or it could be that that's regular Wanda and the second Wanda that we saw is a variant. But there's two Wandas. What else was in there? Uh, there's somebody, the other thing, there was somebody fighting Wanda in the trailer. The three options that I've heard is that it's Monica Rambeau from WandaVision Mm -hmm. as a Captain Marvel variant from another universe. It's Maria Rambeau, her mother, as Captain Marvel from another universe. Or it's Tom Cruise as, um, Superior Iron Man. Yeah. Hmm. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see. The newest news that came out about this movie was that they are saying that this movie is supposed to provide closure for the early two thousand Marvel movies. So that includes X Men, two thousand and three Hulk, not the incredible, not the one that I like. There was a Hulk movie before that, so two thousand three Hulk, Fantastic mm-hmm. Four, and Ghost Rider. They said that this movie is supposed to okay. su- supply closure. What does it mean by closure? I guess proper ending, probably. Right. So, Fantastic Four, the one that came in the two thousands, didn't get a third movie. 
the one that's the one where Silver Surfer was like the second one and everything, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I yeah. they didn't get a third movie. Um, I think Ghost Rider only got one movie, and it made yeah, Ghost Rider only got one. No, Ghost and it Rider may had have two. Ended. Wait, did it? Ghost Rider had I two movies. The, I watched the second Ghost Rider. Yeah, the first one was when okay, um, well he rode off with that dude on the horse, and the second one was with those guys with the tats on their body, and those like monks or something. Okay, so hmm. Ghost Rider didn't get the third movie. The two thousand and three Hulk Death didn't even get a second movie. They just revamped with a new actor. And um, X Men got their three movies, but. I can't remember how X-Men The Last Stand ended, so they may have ended to where we didn't really get an answer on certain stuff. Or they could or it could be that I don't remember. Or it could be that they're just trying to supply closure based on what happened when they came back with those other X-Men movies because Days of Future Past tie that X-Men universe with the previous movies. So it could just be giving closure right. for all of the X-Men movies. They're about to mm-hmm. insert them as lore into the MCU. And now they're just put a, about to put a definite stamp on all of these movies before they move on to the next thing that um, mm. we're about to see. But okay. the movie is touching three hours. I've said this. The movie is touching three hours. And from what I have seen, this is going to be a monster. This is. I'm, I I can say I'm ready, but I I don't think I am, and because every let's talk about all the things that I just threw up coming out of this trailer. The movie is three hours long. That trailer could be the first ten minutes of the movie. If that Maybe. much, if that much, Maybe. we see if how that much does this stuff. If that much, like we haven't even. We may get maybe how many Spider-Man trailers did we get? Like four or five. We may get. And they were literally f- up until the point where he saved old girl off that bridge. That's all they touched on. Exactly. So it's yeah. like we haven't. These trailers have not put a dent. I know for a fact that these trailers have not put a dent into what we're going to be seeing out of this movie. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to bring it up because Ralph didn't know who that third Doctor Strange was, and they confirmed it in the trailer. It's gonna be. I. Mm. I might. Now, I do want to say <laughs> you did leave one thing off. You left one what? thing off. You left one thing off. Mm-hmm. Zombie Doctor Strange. Oh, it's. Oh, you got me. Zombie Doctor Strange zombie Doctor and Zombie Strange. Wanda. It's Zombie Doctor Strange and it's Zombie Wanda. So, this was my other thing. I tweeted on Twitter that if, because the zombies, if you are not familiar with the comic books, you the first time of you seeing a glimpse of Marvel zombies was in the What If series on Disney+. Plus. And mm-hmm. I tweeted and I was like, well, if this What If series is supposed to be preparing us for Multiverse of Madness, y'all should just say that. So people can <laughs> right. start watching the series. Like right. if this if this what if because what if series was essentially a play, it's the it's the multiverse. They explored mm-hmm. these different universes and then at the end all of these people came together to stop this big this bigger thing. And it was like if y'all were preparing us for the multiverse of man this whole time, y'all could have just said that. So honestly, but what I've seen, in my personal opinion, 
I think for Multiverse of Madness, to be safe, I would say watch the What If series, the whole thing. But okay. if I had to make assumptions on what episodes you should watch, Marvel Zombies and the Doctor Strange episode. Those are my assumptions. And those are the two episodes that you should be at least familiar with before walking into the movie. But with us just talking about that this is a three-hour movie and this trailer could be like the first five, ten minutes, I would watch the whole thing to be safe. I would. They need a five to ten minute intermission so we can use the rest of the time. <laughs> oh, we need, we need you don't need no intermission. Like you don't need no intermission. You do not need no intermission with me. Man, so I'm gonna yes, sit there. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I need you old. You're old. It's something. It's right. it's giving it's giving old folks home. It's giving old folks home. Right. <laughs> have, have, you been to these, have you been to these new movie theaters where they'll bring the food to the chair? You over here eating a whole meal, pretzel and cheese, chicken strip. After an hour and a half, I'm tired. I need to be able to stretch my legs and use the restroom song. That's your fault. That's <laughs> your fault. You you about to sit in a three hour movie. You just ate a full dinner. And I know for a oh, fact you that you sleep. ate I know for a fact that you ate that whole meal during the commercials. Yeah. The movie had to be See you yes, play more than your fault. <laughs> That's your fault. That's your no, fault. No, because if yes, I don't eat is. in the beginning, if I don't eat in the beginning, I'm gonna be hungry at the end. And the movie three hours. If I go watch it at seven, but I'm just saying. But why don't you eat look, at but, the beginning? But look, but look what he said. He was eating Ralph. He had a pretzel and cheese and a chicken to the plate with an icy. And you don't, AMC, you don't you know think that, you're gonna be tired there? And you don't think you, you're gonna you, be tired during the movie? Cause, cause you know the AMC's that deliver the food. They got that little combo. It'd be like the pretzel bites, mozzarella stick. I don't like this man. I just want to say, you know, I don't want to pay for icy, so I get a large coke, but I I got to refill it at the fountain instead of getting a drink. I put the ice in there. (laughs) I I just want to say, every movie that we'd have been in with you, you have fell asleep at least twice. Yeah, because I'd be long. He's trying to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to to think about it. But my, I would. But my thing is, my thing is, is I feel like you should just make better life choices. This is a three-hour movie. I just don't think that you should just get a full meal and a drink on the side when you this, know this is about to be a three-hour movie. Uh, right. Like I just, I just don't think that's a, I just don't think that's a good decision. Ah, I feel like this is some twins and I think, some I think the animation should be brought back. I. I don't think they are, cause Endgame was three hours. Did you get an intermission to Endgame? We needed one. But did you get? <laughs> but did you get we one? We needed. But did you get one? You, no, you don't know why I stayed awake. But, but, we was but, all in there but, together. I was only awake because we was all in there together. But I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this about Endgame. Is that even though Endgame was three hours, it didn't to me. It did not feel like three hours. Nah, it did not feel like true. three hours at all. And this could be. This just could be what Doctor Strange is about to be. That. In numbers, this is a three-hour movie. But we're going to sit there and blink, and the movie going to be over. And you're going to be like, that we was gonna, three hours? We're we going to see X-Men Fantastic Four. Boom, movie over. What? <laughs> Next movie coming out soon. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think that Marvel does a good job with not making the movies feel as long as they are. Because even Spider-Man didn't even feel that long. 
when I first watched Spider Man, yeah. it didn't feel like I was watching a two and a half hour movie. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It has to be a really immersive movie. Right. So but not everybody's Marvel. And I've that's what I was about to say. Everybody can't do that because let's talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. That four hour cut felt like four hours. Yeah. It, it felt like four hours. It was four hour hours and, and it felt like four hours. Right. I'm I've yet to watch now. past the hour and a half mark on that. I could get on HBO Max right now and show you where I stopped it because I was like, this is just long. You don't have to show me. I think, it was I think I made it to like uh, I think I made it through like maybe four. Four episodes. Four chapters. It? Wasn't it like eight. broken up into like yeah, I eight. made it through like four chapters. And I was tired. It, it felt like it. a chore. It felt like a chore to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, I will give Zack Snyder's Justice League its props because it did explain a bit more than what the original cut of Justice League did. I'll give them that, that the story did feel a bit more cohesive. But it really felt like mm-hmm. a chore to watch this four-hour movie, and I don't like that. You made a four-hour movie, and it actually felt like I was watching a four-hour movie. They should have made that a series. <laughs> I going back to what we <laughs> talked about earlier. <laughs> Honestly, I think. Honestly. I think they rushed into the Justice League movie. That's that was my biggest nitpick when they started the DCEU. I feel like they rushed to get to the Justice League. Like, how do you? Because they first of all they shrunk. The Justice League. It was Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Flash, and Aqualad, Superman. Well, it's six. It's the original six. They replaced Martian Manhunter with Cyborg. Whatever. I. Right. This is what they did leading up to Justice League. They. Wonder of Wonder Woman. I want to say the Aquaman movie came after Justice League, but Wonder Woman got her movie. Superman got his movie, and then they tried to do this big three Batman v Superman movie, and then shit about Justice League. Hot garbage. Right, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, you guys made three movies and then tried to make a team-up movie, and it it wasn't cohesive. It wasn't. I think if they would have took their time and fleshed out these characters a bit more, like even if you wanted to still put the Flash movie in the Cyborg movie after Justice League, sure. But at least include them in the movies that you have previously because the only thing I can compare it to is the MCU. And uh, what was I about to say? Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch got introduced. Hawkeye got introduced in Thor. Scarlet Witch got introduced in Iron Man. But we still got to see the characters before y'all rush and make an Avengers movie, and now y'all trying to introduce Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch, and it was not Scarlet Witch, uh, Black Widow, and it's right. like, this doesn't make any sense. You see what I'm saying? Like, they tried, like, Zack Snyder's Justice League did explain more, but they tried to do full backstories on everybody. Like, Flash had a full backstory. Cyborg was getting right. a full backstory, and it was like, you guys could have easily just shoved this into somebody else's movie, and then made Justice League. Look, forget forget Kevin Feige talking about no more Avengers. They Zack Snyder need to say no more Justice League until we get our solo films. Man, um, look, I'm calling, right. I'm calling, <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling, I'm calling fact and bullshit on Kevin Feige saying um, that there's no more Avengers movies. 
I'm calling it that mm. because it could just be there are no more Avengers movies with the Avengers as we know. Like this era of the Avengers that we have grown up with for the past 22 movies no longer exists. And if that's his meaning, I call fact. But if he doesn't mean that, I call bullshit because there are, I call it the movie may not be called Avengers, but there's other Avengers team. You have the Young Avengers, you have the New Avengers, you have the Dark Avengers. So he could just be messing with us like it's not going to be called the Avengers. Avengers. We're just going to come with, right. with Young Avengers because he's already <laughs> set they're already setting it up with the introduction introduction of Shang-Chi, Yelena Belova, uh Kate Bishop as Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Patriot, Ironheart. He's already setting up the next generation of Avengers. So sure they won't be the Avengers. They won't be Tony Stark and Captain America and them, but there's hmm. going to be some subset of the Avengers. I, that's why I say BS2. I feel like it was more so a clickbaity. Let's get everybody's attention. No more Avengers comes out. Young Avengers part one. Like, come on now. We know what y'all doing. We know what y'all doing. So the full <laughs> quote is, and I think it's just one of those things that he said something in journalism. The full mm-hmm. quote is that Marvel Studios in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now past their 10th anniversary, and with the release of the final Avengers movie, we've completed a 22-movie Infinity Saga. So it was interpreted that there's no more Avengers movies because he said the final Avengers movie. But But for me, it can go two different ways, which I could call fact and I could call bullshit. Right. I I agree with you. I feel like it's a play on words. I feel like there it may not be a full Avengers titled movie. It could mm-hmm. be Young Avengers or even Heroes and Friends. I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. <laughs> I they're gonna they're still gonna have like those multi hero faceted movies where it's like a big bad. I feel like we're still gonna get those. Yeah, that's that's I what I'm like thinking. And I think. BS. I guess before I say my piece, why you think it's BS, Ruff? I think it's BS mainly because it's it's really just what you say. It's just a play on words. That's it. It's mm-hmm. like in the day and age where we stay on social media now, you saying that can cause a huge uproar in your community of there's no more Avengers movies and that everybody's just sparking all these different conversations. It's like what we are having now. So it's like you know, you, you want that more attention. Yeah, you yeah. pretty much want that more attention on what you want. That way, you know, you could be like, oh, we're just going to scrap the Avengers and go with what? New Avengers, Young Avengers, pretty much you said. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think they're done with just the Avengers title by itself, except they're just going to add, you know, something else to blank Avengers. Or right. maybe even if they don't do that, they're just going to make it a whole new name, make a whole new name for it. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. He's, he's setting up for another another team up. I It may just not be called the Avengers, but. I. I call BS. Only time will tell. So the mob <laughs> is calling BS with an ounce of fact. 
like a with an ounce of fact, like, like a just a little, uh, <laughs> just, a, just a little bit, a little bit of fact. But I, I think it. I that think better it, be our I, thumbnail right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, everybody do this thumbnail right there. <laughs> just a little bit of fact. So the last we got mm. through most of our topics. The last thing is the um for tech and the technologies I've, we've been hearing a lot about these flying cars going around so my question is are we riding in the flying cars when the flying cars drop are we or are we not flying in the flying cars a L- little bit of background for the audience they've created a flying car it can reach 63 miles per hour and is available for purchase for $92,000. And for a upper class person, that is actually purchasable. If I could purchase that, I would. I would. Okay. I would. I would. <laughs> well, that's What I want to say in my head, I don't think is appropriate for the podcast. But I'm just you saying, say, no. hell no. Nah. <laughs> Ralph said, hell no. Nah. I'm not riding Ralph, in that shit. Ralph, is, Ralph ain't even riding in EVs until he's forced to. Ralph will not even get an EV until there's would, no more gas on this I earth. <laughs> haven't had the opportunity to actually test drive an EV yet. Um, what I what I would plan to do for my birthday actually is I want to go and test drive a charger or a challenger for my birthday just to get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. They do have a Tesla dealership here that you can go and sign up for, but I've heard the wait list is long. Mm. But back to the topic. Um, no, hell no, I would not <laughs> get a flying car. <laughs> the reason why is because. What if you get in? I'm going to just paint this scenario. He's going to say something stupid. He's going to say something stupid. <laughs> what if you get in and other people are also flying their cars, right? And somebody's drinking on the other side of the other car or something. And they're flying, right? And y'all I... hit. Now y'all not on the ground anymore. When y'all crash, you got to fall X amount of feet to the ground and go Look. flat. I mean, I mean, okay, my my counter, dangerous. my counter. Okay, so my counter to that is that I don't think that flying cars are going to come out, and they're just going to let everybody get a flying car. I think when flying cars become, when it's possible for people to start flying cars, I don't think mm-hmm. that every everybody one everybody is not going to be able to afford a flying car. So you're going to have a minimal, a minimum population of people actually driving flying cars. Two, I think if we're smart, and I feel like we have to be in this situation, is that you would have to get a secondary license to drive a flying car. They are not going to take your Mississippi driver's license that I got by driving (laughs) around Metro and let me drive a flying car. They're not going to let me do that. Third thing, they have to put a lot of traffic laws in place for flying cars because... Flying cars are not the only thing that's going to be up in the air. Airplanes. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like, where can you fly in the flying car? What are the traffic laws of being in the flying car? So I would, if they put 
for me, I would ride in the flying car if I know for sure that they have taken the time to make sure that I can have a safe travel from A to B in this flying car. Now, if it's just we selling flying cars, do as you will. Absolutely not. Absolutely (laughs) not. But... But but that's the thing. It's like in, in retrospect, like I see where Ralph was coming from. But, you know, people were thinking the same thing when we was riding in horses and carriages back when Charles Ford, what James Ford, I can't remember his first name. When they started creating some of the first um cars and motorized vehicles, they were yeah, like, wait, how are we going to ride in this? We got yeah. horses. We got dirt roads. This stuff ain't going to work. A wheel. Right. What's that? You know, people acted like that. that? And then the architect. He right. Right. (laughs) And now look where we at. And look where we at. We have have highway systems. Exactly. Flying cars. And then now we got EVs. Autopilot is very popular. We're getting all this stuff inserted into vehicles now while on land. Flying Mm -hmm. cars are at some point. At some point, they might become the main mode of travel. And they could just be in in one. It could be self drivable. If 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 mm-hmm. what Ryan was saying with the auto driving technology that they're putting in most of these cars, that could just be the main. When we make a flying car, this feature has to be in there because think about cars now. Mm-hmm. You have to have a seatbelt. You have to have an airbag because of the way that phones and technology is going. You have to be able to have some Bluetooth support. You have to have me something that I can navigate with GPS. I have to be able, and even with their the um the take that they took with people texting and driving and calling and driving, where now you can do that stuff from your your dashboard, your car. You have to have that in there. That's part of safety. So maybe when exactly. flying cars become the norm, it has to be able to drive itself. Right, and and infrastructure can definitely evolve. Like we might be living in the world of Futurama. Well, we got traffic lights <laughs> floating in midair nah. and everything. Like, you never know. Yo, no. <laughs> okay. I should have let you finish. But when you said Futurama, the first thing that came in my head is when they be traveling by them tubes. I'm not getting in that. Boy. Okay. Okay. No, it would not be. Claustrophobia. <laughs> like, because you that, remember on parts of Futurama, because you remember on parts of Futurama, that Futurama, they would get in traffic jams and you just right here. With somebody in this in tube. tube, like absolutely not. See, now, see, if you listen, could, listen. now if you could guarantee that I could get from A to B with no issue, sure, I might be in the little tube for at the max sixty seconds. You got twenty people a- getting into this tube, and then y'all get in a traffic jam. Absolutely not. Here's the thing: once high <laughs> speed rails become popular. And like at least in the states, and we get flying cars. Those tubes are going to be the equivalent to the folk who choose to ride bikes. That's just going to be what it is. They can't is afford it? a high speed rail. They don't got yeah, their I own don't... flying car. They got to fl- They got to float in the tube. I just don't it's... think that they would just build. I don't think that they would build <laughs> tubes if they out here. Though I would say this: the minute they stop tearing down highways to make tubes, I believe you. But I don't think they're going to get rid of the highways. Because that's the only way the tube's going to fit. Well, you mean to tell me we're going to be in the most congested city with all these highways and we got a tube system? Like, what? imagine New York with tubes. Exactly. Imagine, imagine Texas York. with tubes. I mean, look at how crowded New York subways Let, all No, are. look at where you I at. Mean, look, look at where you at. Imagine, 
Imagine L.A. with tubes. Listen, bro. If there was a tube outside my window that I could jump in and it take me to the grocery store, I'm jumping in it. I'm but ju- I'm jumping it's not gonna in. take you directly to the grocery store. Let's say you had to come out your no, 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 no. It's not gonna be set up where you can have a tube coming out your window. It's gonna be like a bus stop. You have to walk at your house, walk to the tube stop. The tube stop gonna take you to this spot, and you and it's either it's gonna take you directly to where you want to go, or you're gonna have to hop in another tube. Yes. So here's the real question. If there was a tube system, if we had a tubular system in the state, would y'all ride it? <laughs> Absolutely not. That's that's disgusting. It's no. I, it's dis- that's no. disgusting. Not even not even the claustrophobia not even the claustrophobia part. It's just you gonna get in this tube, people blowing their hot ass breath all on these tubes, people coughing, sneezing. Somebody we had a pandemic. In the tube. And I'm that's what I'm saying. Like and it, oh, Absolutely, absolutely. That's too if, close for comfort to be riding with random strangers in a tube. And Futurama, yeah. the comic code don't even exist anymore. There was a whole episode, and when they had a but we're not talking about we're not talking about Futurama. We talking about right now. We are in the we middle of a pandemic. Implementing tubes. You can ride in it when they start making tubes. I want you to be the <laughs> first am. person in line. I want you to be the I first am. person in I line. Am. I and am. I want you to tell me and about I'll be your the main experience. One in that MF or two. He said he said I had to he said I had to fart so I wrote in the tube to the groceries. <laughs> I wanted to ruin somebody's day just because of you. That's the, that is I, I hope you get stuck. I pray you get stuck in that tube. Sir. Oh my, I hope you have the worst gas and it's just a traffic jam, so you have no <laughs> but the inhale it. <laughs> Y'all foolish. But that is all the time that we have for today. So for everybody listening, everybody watching, thank you for continuously supporting us. Thank you for listening to this episode and we hope to see you guys next episode. So Ralph, lead us out. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Please follow us at Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Blared Mob and make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Blared Mob Pod. And that is it. That's it, everybody. Peace out. Peace. Hands up. If you love them where you at, stand 10 toes down. Sure, they ain't no looking mad. They don't look at mad. You can let them haters hate when they answer where I'm smiling.